share from the Word of God, and I titled the message, Amazing Report. Amazing Report, or the Amazing Report. And I'm going to be staying in Isaiah 53 and Matthew chapter 9, the Amazing Report. Father, I just want to thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for giving us utterance. Your word says the entrance into your word brings light. And Lord, that light is the light of life. It heals us. It builds us up. It encourages us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah is regarded as a prophet. But most people believe he was an evangelist. Evangelist of the Old Testament. Because he spoke so specifically about Jesus and prophesied about what Jesus was coming to the world to do. In this chapter, Isaiah chapter 53, he talks to us about Jesus and what Jesus came into the world to accomplish for all mankind. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of, the, out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now he's talking about Jesus thousands of years before Jesus actually came. He says there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Verse 6 says, All we, as every one of us, all we like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, upon Jesus, the iniquity of us all. God laid on Jesus the iniquity of every human being. Now, the way the chapter begins is this. God asks, who has believed our report? So the report is not just the report of the prophet himself. This is our report. That's the report coming from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? When you believe this report, God's arm is revealed to you. You know, in the Psalms, the Word of God says, God brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm. So when God reveals His arm to you, to whom 
is the arm of the Lord revealed. When God reveals his arm to you, you get a miracle. You get delivered. You get free. That's what he's saying. Who has believed our report? Because when Jesus came, there were so many, as, it, as we have today, that didn't believe in him. We still have that today. There are so many that don't even want to hear his name. There are many that don't even want to be associated with him. If you're in an office area and everyone is, they can say whatever they want, use bad words and whatever. But once you begin to mention the name of Jesus, guess what they do? Everyone turns and they look at you. Who said that? There is something about his name. That people don't want to, that's why the Bible tells us he is rejected. He was rejected by men and they're still rejecting him today. People don't want to be associated. Don't cry and take his name out of it. We're okay without his name. And so God is giving us that report. This was going to happen in the last days when Jesus comes and he came, when Jesus comes into the world. That's what people will be doing. They did it when Jesus was here in person. They're still doing it today. People are still saying, take his name out. We don't want his name in this place. Take that stuff off. That's what is happening. What's going on is they are fulfilling the scriptures. They're fulfilling the scriptures. But God has a report. And if you believe his report, your life is transformed. Believe me, there is a God. The Bible says, let's hand join hand together. God doesn't need to be re-elected. He remains king. He doesn't need, to vote. He doesn't need you to vote for him to stay in his, in his position as a king. He is the king of the universe. So what he says goes. You either line up with it. Or you're going to pay the price. But I like to line up with him. I don't want to pay any price. Amen. But that's what it says. The Bible says, you know, in this time when he came, he says he had no form. Meaning he didn't come to the earth in his majesty. Everyone would fall and receive him if they saw him that way. He didn't come to the world in his splendor. And he says, when we see him, there is no beauty. He's not saying he was not beautiful to behold. He just looks like everybody else. That was God Almighty coming into the world. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 12 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He had glory, but the glory was veiled so that people couldn't see it. So when you see Jesus, he looked just like the, every one of us. That's why he loved the world. Everyone is welcome. If he looks so spectacular, then you say, well, I don't look like him. I'm not going to be accepted. But he came looking like everybody else. So that you need Judas to pick him out when you're going to arrest him because they couldn't tell the difference between him and Peter. He looked like the rest of them. So he looked like me. Amen. So that we can all be accepted when we come to him. That's what he's saying. But yet he was rejected. He, was de- he veiled himself. So we couldn't recognize the splendor, the glory that was upon his life. But when he opened his mouth, people saw, oh wow, where is that coming from? This is different. It's only when he begins to speak and when he begins to act like the Father 
that people begin to see this splendor. You remember how he took James, James, John, and Peter. He went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and he unveiled himself. And Peter says, I'm telling you, Lord, I don't want to go down there anymore. I want to stay here. I just behold your beauty for the rest of eternity. He's wonderful here. But he veiled all of that. So people couldn't see. He says he was a man of sorrows. Jesus had nothing to be sorrowful about. His sorrows were our sorrows. Some of us are going through difficult times right now. There are things that are happening to you. God put all of those things on his son. He was acquainted with grief, not his own grief, but our grief. What was troubling us, what was knocking mankind down, that's why he came. This is the report of the Lord. And the Bible is saying, who has believed our report? Your life is transformed when you believe his report. Your life is made new when you believe his report. This is the truth. This is just the truth. My life was transformed. When I received Christ as my Lord and Savior, I didn't know how long it was going to be. I didn't know if I was going to turn around and do something wrong. I I could care less. I knew one thing. I didn't want to go to hell. And I wanted to be with Jesus when I died. And I wasn't going to reject Him. I knew there were troubles in my life. I knew sin was there. I knew me very well. In fact, one girl said, everyone, we all thought everyone could be saved except you. You were too wicked. And she wasn't alone. I was in that same group. I thought, there is no way I can get saved. It's not going to happen. But when you accept Jesus' report, your life is transformed. And he's held me with him and kept me with him all these many years. I can't thank him enough. One day, I'm going to see him. I'm going to be in his presence. Thank you, God, for these many years. You kept me to yourself. You kept me and my family from all the troubles of this life. I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to thank him for what he's done for me. That's what church is all about. Because God is a good God. God came down to help us. That's why he came. So you can never be alone in life. He came to the world to help us. God can help you. No matter what you're going through, God can help you. No matter what they say about you, no matter what your past has been, when you turn to God, He'll transform your life, He'll transform your situation, He'll make you a brand new creature for the world to see. That's why the Bible says you are the light of the world. Because after he's transformed you, people will begin to see there's something going on in this man's life. Things are changing because God, what's happening to you? He says, Jesus says, I can understand that. Can you show me how to find him so I can have the same light that you got in your life? That's what the gospel is all about. Now look at what he says in verse 4. He says, surely, no doubt, he has borne our griefs. Amen. Surely. Jesus, God himself, bore your grief. If he has borne it, you don't need to pay it. If you need to pay it, why should he pay it? He is God Almighty. The only reason that you are still bearing it is you haven't believed the report. Once you believe the report, the power of the Holy Spirit transforms your situation. We're not believing enough. 
That's what's going on. If we believe, Jesus said, if you can only believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Everyone who believes. I don't look at myself. I don't look at my resources. I don't look at what's happening in my life or what's happening in my life. I just look to him and he says, be of good cheer. I'll take care of you. And the world will see it. And give me glory. He says, they will see your good works. And they will glorify your father. The world glorifying your father because of what he's doing in your life. And they too will want him. They'll say, let us go to the house of our God. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. You know what? I hear people, have you heard it? They'll say, oh, Jesus of Nazareth. They don't allow Christianity, but Jesus was a good man. How many of you heard that? He was a great teacher. If you said anything bad about Jesus on television, you're going to pay the price. I'm telling you. The religious people will come after you. Right? They don't like, they, they, are, they tolerate him. They allow that he died. He was a good man. He died on the cross. But that's not where he stops. Don't just esteem him a good man that died on the cross. Don't stop there. He says in verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. That's why he was hanging on the cross. Not just because he was a good man. He was for us. He was for our transgressions that he was there. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. The chastisement for our peace. What will bring us peace in our lives was laid on him. Now if you read in John chapter 14 verse 27, Jesus says, peace, I live with you. My peace, I live with you. How many would like to have the same kind of peace that Jesus has? Man, I want all of it. Baptize me, knock me over, let me just be rolling in it. Oh, yes. I want that kind of peace. Can you imagine a man facing death? He knew all things and yet was able to sit down quietly and make conversation, no fear. I mean, even Pilate was shocked. He's never seen a man like this. Pilate, we are told, was such a wicked man. I mean, he was wicked. Even his children, he'd kill you. If you move a finger, he didn't like you dead. But when he was standing before Jesus, he was amazed. He's never seen, he had never seen anybody like this. They were accusing him and he was saying nothing. And Jesus told him very clearly, you wouldn't have any purpose. He said, I have the power to, to release you and I have the power to put you to Jesus. He said, you wouldn't have any power unless God gave it to you from heaven. He says, huh? What? And he was standing there because he was the king of the universe. And Pilate, after that, he decided, ah, if I can set this guy free, I don't want to be involved in this. If the Jews want to kill him, let him kill him. But I don't want part of it. He washed his hand, you remember? I don't want part of this. There's something about this guy I've never seen in any human being I set my eyes on. Amen. That's the Jesus we are worshiping. Why? Because he is God. He's not just one of us. Jesus was not a man that became God. No, he was God that became a man. 
and dwelt. Why? To free us from our troubles. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And then he said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That, you know, when I was a new Christian, that made a lot of sense. My father had died early. I was by myself. No supervision. We had a lot of money. I did whatever I wanted to do. So when they preached that word to me, oh yeah, it made sense. I was doing my own thing. Some of you are doing your own thing right now. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a day of accountability. Let me let you know this. People don't want to talk about it much. But when you die, you will have to face the maker. There is a place called hell. That's the truth. (coughs) Excuse me. No other preacher, no other prophet talked about hell like Jesus did. They had had no clue as to what it looked like. Jesus created it. All things were made by him through Jesus. And Jesus knew what that place was like. And he spoke more about hell than anybody else in the scriptures. He He talked about the fire. He talks about the worms that are in there that will not die. He talked about the torments. People wanting water. For eternity, they're crying to drink just, just a drop of water. Human beings. I told myself, if God would die so that I don't go there, I'd be really dumb to decide that I really don't care. That's not a good decision. That's not a good decision. I made up my mind. I'm not going there. You know, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. He says, the fearful, all the cowardly, the fearful, the unbelieving, unbelieving, abominable, murderous, the sexually sinful, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire, brimstone fire, and the Bible calls it the second death. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? Tell me. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? <laughs> Some of you say, well, I'm, if I tell a thousand lies, I'm, no. If you tell one lie and you're caught, you're a liar. And it says all liars go there. And I've been caught lying before. Don't look at me like that. You have too. <laughs> All of us have. So there's no hope. But with Jesus, there is hope. He paid the price for me. He took my iniquity. He bore my sins. If he bore my sins, I don't have them. Right? All I have to do through speaking, I transfer every one of those things to him and the Father will be satisfied. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. When I transfer all of my sins to him, the Father says, yeah, we took care of that before. You don't have to go to hell. You can stay with me forever. What a privilege 
to live with the Father forever. You know, I want to live here. And I love, enjoy living on the earth. But I'm also looking to the other side. Oh, that, that's going to be so beautiful. Where I can see God with my own eyes. Amen. I can see some of the people that I've read in the, about in the scriptures. I can see David. Amen. And have some conversation with the man. Oh, I can see Elijah. And, and, and say, just talk to them. And, and, and I don't have to, he won't say, well, it's getting late. It's going to be dark. Would you go to your, we got eternity to talk. Amen. That's going to be a wonderful place to be. Why will anyone reject that? We've got to give our lives to the Lord. God, I want to go back to verse, uh, verse 4. He says, surely he has borne our grief. In the literal meaning of that word, grief means sickness. That's what the Hebrew, when, it, when a, uh, a Hebrew man reads that particular scripture, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3, what he actually reads is not grief. He reads the word in his mind, sickness. Jesus bore our sicknesses. And the word sorrows, that's the word that's used for pain. God said to the woman, in sorrow you will have children. Now, is it the woman depressed when she's having a child? No, just pain, right? I don't know too much about that, but the ladies can tell us about it. Yes. But pain. Jesus bore our pain. Surely he bore our pain. He carried our sicknesses. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, he says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick. How many did he heal? All. That means if you were in that crowd that evening and you, you were sick, guess what was going to happen to you? You go home well. That's the truth. You go home well. Why? Why did Jesus do this this very evening? Why? In this one evening, he was casting out devils from people and healing everyone that was sick. Why? He says in verse 17, 17, he says that it might be fulfilled. Everybody said the word fulfilled. It's going to be fulfilled in your life this morning in Jesus' name. He did it this evening, that particular evening, to fulfill a scripture that was written about him. He was a deliberate act fulfilling the word of God that was spoken about him. He says in Hebrews chapter 10, I came in the volume of the book to do your will, O God, it is written of me. So this particular evening, Jesus was fulfilling part of the volume of the book that was written about him. He was fulfilling it, healing every sick and casting out every demon. Now look at what he says. He says, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. That's the scripture we read before. Which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore what? Our diseases. He bore your diseases. 
The gospel is not that Jesus died alone just for your sin. He took care of that, but he also took care of your health. If your sins are forgiven and you are constantly sick, you can't go to church, you can't even eat well, what kind of abundant life is that? He came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Who has believed our report? That's God's report for your life. If you believe it, the word of God will begin to transform your life. Many just here, they go to church, they are not expecting anything. It's like they exist, but God doesn't really know that they exist. He knows you personally. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He loves you and cares about you. If anybody tells you anything otherwise, that's a lie. Because God's word will not return to him void. Jesus himself announced, For God so loved the world, not the trees of the world, or the buildings in the world, or World Trade Center. He loves you and I. He gave his son to have you. What an honor. God gave his son to have you. He allowed his son to die so he can have you to himself. Because Satan was sharing you with him. He doesn't want that. He gave his son so that he can have you exclusively, exclusively to himself. Why would you reject something like that? God is a good God. He gives everything that's good. But all he's asking, if you will believe. In John chapter 1, verse 10, he said he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, the Jews. But the Jews didn't receive him. But then he said, as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. If you receive Jesus, he gives you the right to become a child of God. What does that say? Everyone is not a child of God. I know people say, we are all children of God. Yeah, not according to the Bible. Not according to the Bible. We are not all children of God. <laughs> but when you receive Jesus, He gives you the right to become a child of God. And He says, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That you were born into his family because God willed it. That's the will of God. He wants you to be part of his family. So he gave his son and he gave you the right. Now you can become part of God's family. If you are part of a man, a, world, a Bill Gates family, I mean, you know Bill Gates. If you are part of Bill Gates family, you know you are well taken care of, at least financially, right? Hey, do it. Is anybody disagreeing with me here? <laughs> you know he's going to take care of you. When you come into God's family, the only thing that will prevent you from enjoying abundant life is your faith. Because Jesus said, Be it unto you according to your faith. And who has believed our report? If you believe that report. I'm going to close by just sharing something with you. Just one single chapter. 
so many things took place when Jesus came to fulfill what God wrote about him through Isaiah. Just one chapter, chapter 9. In the first eight verses, Jesus was in Capernaum, that's the capital city for his ministry, if you will have it. Jesus left Nazareth and he went to Capernaum, <coughs> excuse me, and then that was the headquarters for his ministry. He'd go around, but afterwards he'd go right back to Capernaum. That's where his ministry, that was the headquarters. Jesus was in Capernaum and they brought, they brought a man that was paralyzed in the bed. Four friends. They couldn't get into the house. That particular chapter didn't say that, but you can check other chapters, I mean other books uh, from Mark and uh, Luke. They, they couldn't get in there because there were so many people surrounding this one house. And they had this man in the bed. So they decided, we'll drop him from the roof. And uh, if, if, he, if somebody gets mad, we'll fix the room, but we need our friend well. <laughs> we'll fix the room. We'll fix the roof. So they dropped him there. And guess what? The guy was willing to do this. He was so desperate. He said, put me down. If I die, if I fall down, that's okay. Just put me. I want to be in his presence. And when Jesus saw their faith, how many know God can see faith? When Jesus saw their faith, instead of healing the man, guess what he said to the man? He said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins have been forgiven you. You know why? Because he bore our infirmities. He also bore our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. So instead of healing the man, which was why the man came, but faith went beyond that, and God first said to the man, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees were not happy about that. There's a man talking about forgiving sin. Who does he think he is? God? Well, you're right. He was God. Amen. <laughs> that was God standing there. Amen. And so when Jesus knew their thought, he said to them, which is easier to say to the man? To say to the man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say to the man, rise up, take up your bed and walk? If he says your sins are forgiven, Nobody sees what's happening, right? You can't see sins forgiven. But if he says, take up your bed and walk, everybody can see that. He says, so for you to know that the Son of Man, I like that, that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins, he turned to the man, he said, take up your bed and go home. And immediately, the guy, paralyzed man, got up, took up his bed, and walked away from every one of them to his house. Amen. That's first part of chapter 9. First eight verses. And then when you go to verse 18 of chapter 9, Jesus was, was talking to some people before that verse 18, and all of a sudden, a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus came to Jesus and worshipped him. He had recognized, probably had seen him in Capernaum preach and heal people. He, but this time, he had a need. And he sought Jesus out. His little daughter, 12 years old, was dying. He, he, he worshipped Jesus. And he said, look, I'm telling you, my little daughter, 12, she's, about, she's at the point of death, death. In fact, this scripture says she's dead. 
But he said, but if you will follow me and lay your hands on her, she'll live. Oh, how many of us will have faith like that today? Dead, let's go bury, right? And everybody's screaming. But that's the kind of faith God is asking from us. To believe him for the impossible. Believe him for the impossible in your life. If God can, if Jesus can raise a child that was dead, 12 years old girl that was dead, what kind of problem do you have that he can't take care of? How complicated is that? What kind of, what's going on in your life that God cannot take care of? Think about it. The reason is you haven't trusted him enough. You haven't called on him. You notice as soon as the man called Jesus, Jesus didn't wait. He said immediately Jesus stood up and was going with him to his house. That's God himself. Just by a man calling with a need, God stood up and was walking to go to this man's house. That man is no different from you. He loves you as much as he loves the same man. And wants to help you. He can help you. No matter how dead the problem is. God can give it life. And God will do that this morning, not tomorrow, right now. <laughs> That's what Pastor George... What are you expecting? While they were going to the man's house, a lady that had a flow of blood for 12 years. That's amazing, 12 and 12. She had heard about Jesus, the same verse. She had heard about Jesus and she said to herself, all I need to do, I don't need to express my problem to everybody to know. All I need to do is just to touch his clothes. If I touch his clothes, and I'll be okay. And she pressed to the crowd and got a hold of Jesus. While Jesus was walking to heal that, to raise that girl from the dead, touched Jesus, and she got healed. And then right after that, Jesus got to the place and they were screaming and, you know, not really mourning, that's what it was. And Jesus said, forget that morning. So the girl is just sleeping. And they all mocked at him. That's what happens to Christians. They'll mock at you until they see the miracle. Jesus went in there and raised the girl from the dead. And everybody heard about it. And everybody was amazed. But the thing about it, right after Jesus finished, in verse 27, Jesus was walking out of the house. Guess what? who was waiting for him? Two blind guys. He just healed, he just raised the girl from the dead. He was just walking out. These two blind guys said, that's him, we got to get well. And they started yelling, son of David, have mercy upon me. And you know, Jesus didn't answer them. Walked all the way from Jairus' house to his place. With these guys yelling behind him. Until he got to the house. He went into the house and sat down. And they followed him into the house. And Jesus asked them, he said, Do you believe that I can do what, what, what you're asking for me? They said, yeah. Yeah, we believe. He just touched their eyes. And their eyes came open. And they left. Rejoicing. Right after they left. Right after they left. They brought a man. Right after that. They brought a man in that was demon-possessed and couldn't speak. He was speechless. 
Just one chapter, one after the other. Just one after the other. And Jesus cast out the demon, and the man could speak. And everybody said, we have never seen it like this in Israel, never. The old guys said it. The young guys, nobody's seen anything like that. That's the Jesus we're talking about. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the same chapter, verse 35, he says in verse 35, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, then Jesus went about all the cities. How many cities? All the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing what? Every sickness and every disease among the people. Every time they came to church, they got healed. What's wrong with us? Every time they came to church, they came to get well. Because Jesus was there. And Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So if you are like the believers in Bible days, are you expecting to get well this morning? If you are not expecting to get well, then you are a believer, what I call an unbelieving believer. (laughs) But you can get well this morning. Amen? No matter what it is in your life. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. You know, when I hold crusades, I ask people, if you're sick in the body, why do you, why do you expect God to heal you so that you get strong to go and sin more against Him? He makes you well, and now you says, well, I couldn't do all of this bad stuff now. I got strength. I'm going out. Why would He heal you that way? He's not going to heal you. If you want to get really well, you first have to commit to Him. Amen? You do everything. Now, when we talk about healing, we're not just talking about physical healing. Your finances, your marriage, your children, your job, your business, whatever it is that you need healing. God said, but He loves you. He wants to touch that part. He wants to touch it. And He will, if you will just believe. He will touch it if you come to Him. And you know, He's right here today. And He wants to heal you. You may not see Him, but when I, as I'm speaking, He's right here. Some of you are being healed where you're seated right now. There's somebody that Pastor Andy talked about earlier with the migraine. That's gone. God's healed you. But if you need healing, Jesus wants to heal you today. But you first of all need to commit your life to Him. All heads bowed. Today is the day. The Bible says in the appointed, at the appointed time, on the day of salvation, God heard you. He says, now is the day of salvation. Behold, today is the day. This is the day that God will bring that freedom into your life. So you're here today and you say, Pastor, I really want to get to know God. I'm not going to bring you up here. I'm going to let you sit, stay where you are. But you need to indicate to God by uplifted hand and say to God, I mean business, God, I want you in my life. Let me tell you this. When you do that, the Father immediately in heaven says, that's one of ours. That belongs to us. And an angel or several angels will be assigned to your life for the rest of your life. 
to take care of you. That's what the Father promised. He says the ministering spirits have been sent into the world to, bring, to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. So you're here this morning and you say, God, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. You say, God, I want to be that. Put your hand up quickly and put it down. Put your hand up quickly. Thank you. Put your hand up quickly. Yes, all over this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, God saw those hands raised before him. And from this very moment, you will begin to see God at work in your life. He'll begin to fix those things that were wrong. I mean, the Spirit of God, I believe, is moving me. There are some of you here, you had a relationship with God, but you've turned back from following Him. And you really want to get back with Him. I need you also to raise your hand before the Lord. He is here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise your hand before the Lord and God's going to restore you. Thank you. God's going to restore you this morning. And He's going to wipe away those tears and He's going to take... I see your hand. Thank you. God's going to deliver you from whatever it is and keep you strong. His grace is able to keep you even to the very end. Stand up this morning, every one of you. Those that raise your hand, please pray this prayer. I know without a doubt, it sounds like you're just speaking words. But believe me, those words are so powerful in heaven. They are heard in heaven. And when you speak those words to God and, and you repeat them, the Father comes into your life. Every day of your life, He will always be there for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Satan knows it. He's so scared of you. Because he knows that few words from your mouth can make him lose you for eternity. And change, transform your life. Say with me. Everyone pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today acknowledging that I'm a sinner. Father, I ask you to forgive me my sins. Jesus, wash me with your blood. Cleanse me totally with your blood. Lord, write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Lord. Your word says, if I ask, I will receive. I have asked and I believe that you've heard me. I am now a child of God. Give me the grace to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we go, I will want those Pastor Josh is going to come and announce, but I want to pray for those who are sick in the body. I want to do that personally myself. Because that's the way I felt led. If you're sick in the body, please come up here. Whatever sickness, if you feel it's your finances, I need you to come up here. God's going to heal you this morning.